are we doing this morning? Come on, let's go. After that worship, come on, we need more than that. God is moving. He is on the move already. Before I even need to say a single word, he is doing miracles in this place. I know of one specifically. Jesse and my youngest daughter, who's almost two, is still in the nursery and hasn't asked for mommy yet. So thank you, Jesus, for that. It is a miracle. Hallelujah. Uh, man, so good. So good to be in the house of the Lord with you all. We say it every week, but it is, we say it every week because it's true. And I just need to take a deep breath for a second because I am excited. I am pumped for this morning and this new series that we're starting on identity. And we thought, what better way to begin this new year than really talking about identity? But when we think of identity, we think about naturally because we are, you know, self-centered and think about ourselves a lot. We think about my identity, right? What is my identity? But before we get to our identity and that discussion, we need to first understand the identity of God. All right, and this, this is a deep dive, okay? We could spend all sorts of time on the identity of God, but we're just going to take a few weeks in the next coming weeks to really discuss God as a whole as best we can. And then we'll continue on the, the path of identity and how it relates to us, how it relates to Beaches Chapel and all those good things. Uh, I'm believing in this time for greater understanding, right? For a greater love and passion for the Lord so that our prayer increases, so our worship increases, our fellowship with one another increases, because I do love that word. And what are we doing if we're not believing for increase in some manner when we meet here every week? I don't want to maintain the status quo here at Beaches Chapel, all right? And we want growth. We want more depth. And yes, we want increase. And as Allison already said, how that happens is that we shine the spotlight on the Lord and we get out of the way. He increases, we decrease, but here's the amazing thing about that. As we do that, as we decrease, God includes us in his increase. Amen? Amen. So we're going to discuss this morning, and I'm going to be real honest with you. As I was preparing for this sermon up until this morning, I was pretty nervous about this, about this uh, sermon. And, and not, you know, standing in front of people and all that stuff. Not about that, but about the content of what we're talking about this morning, because what we're talking about is the holiness of God. And the reason that I was nervous is because when it comes to the holiness of God, where do you begin and where do you end? It is so big and it is so massive and it is beyond our comprehension, the holiness of God. But as I was praying about it this morning, God quickly reminded me that it is not my job or anyone else's job to defend or explain his holiness. He is holy, and there is no pastor, no teacher, no one on earth who can possibly explain to the fullest extent the holiness of God. It is beyond us. And so as we begin this morning, the first thing that we need to grasp is that the holiness of God cannot be understood by us. If it could, then he wouldn't be the holy God that he is. And so what we are doing this morning is we are getting a fraction, and I'm talking about a fraction, y'all of a taste, of a sample of God's holiness. But here's the amazing thing about it. That taste, that sample, that fraction of God's holiness can still blow us away and bring us to our knees. That is how holy he is. I want to look at a specific story this morning that will help us a little bit more, I believe, and I hope understand God's holiness. So if you have your Bible, I hope you're bringing them to church these days, you can turn with me in your hard copy Bible Yes, preach to Exodus chapter three. 
Exodus chapter 3. I love some of y'all already know what I'm, I know that story. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. All right, so let's just pause right there before we go any further in this story and understand Moses in this scenario. If you're not familiar with the story of Moses, Moses was adopted in into the palace of Egypt. He was the adopted son of the king of the most powerful nation in the entire world. By the world's standards, listen, y'all, by the world's standards, there was nothing that Moses could have gained beyond what he already had, besides the very throne itself. But everything, every resource, every bit of education, every bit of wealth, the best food in the world, all the best entertainment, all of it was at his disposal as the adopted son of the king of Egypt. But it wasn't enough. Everything that he had at his disposal, every resource, the fame that he had, the power that he had, the notoriety, all of it wasn't enough for Moses. He knew that there was more. You see, the holiness of God shrinks the wealth of the world to almost insignificant, to nothing And so as I say that, what we need to then do with that fact is ask ourselves, what are we pursuing then? Are we pursuing the successes of the world and the riches of the world and the fame of the world that pales in comparison to the holiness of God? Or are we we pursuing the Lord with everything that we have and understanding that that's where fulfillment comes from. That's where richness comes from. That's where everything, our identity, our understanding, and our love for the Lord comes from pursuing that, not in the world. Because Moses had all that. He had the winning ticket to the Powerball last week. All right? Yeah, yeah. And he set it aside. He said, that's not enough. There's something more. And so he went out to the desert and he became a shepherd with no flock, working for his father-in-law. Said he's tending his his father-in-law's sheep, not even his own. And this is a day, as this happens, that is a day just like every other day. It's like a Tuesday afternoon, mid-January, whatever. It's It's not a holiday, right? It's not a day where he was expecting anything. He was shepherding his father-in-law's flock like he did day in and day out in the middle of the desert. Verse two says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him. There, not in the church, right? Not in the palace that he grew up in. There in the desert. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that through the bush, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Okay, a couple things to take from these verses. One, there is a bush that is on fire that is not burning up. This makes no sense, especially in a desert where it's dry, right? And, and I've read some commentaries that said that it, it, it was not 
unusual for a, flame, a bush to just kind of erupt in flames, which I think is a little unusual. I can't, but I'm not familiar with that time, right? But even then, if they did, they would still burn up. But this one didn't. Because what Moses was seeing was supernatural. God's holiness, y'all, is supernatural, which means, again, it is beyond our comprehension. We can embrace it, we can accept it, we can enjoy it till the cows come home, but we cannot fully understand it. And the sooner that we get that, check this out, the sooner we get to enjoy it more. But what we like to do is rob ourselves of the holiness of God because we're trying to figure out why the bush isn't burning up rather than just going, wow, it's not burning up. Well, let me see how that, how that, you know? We rob ourselves all the time of being in the presence of our most high God who is holy because we're trying to figure out why the bush isn't burning up. It says again in verse three, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Here's what I love about this, as a pastor of a church specifically. There's two parts. And forgive me for getting on a soapbox here, but I'm gonna do it. Moses says, I'm gonna go check out this strange sight, okay? He says it's strange, it's odd, it's different. Not, let me go check out this cool sight or this trendy sight or this fill in the blank sight. He is drawn to something that is different. And as the church, we've tried to be so not different and it's not drawing anybody. We've tried to be cool and hip and with it. I wanna be different. Listen, if y'all want a cool church with a cool pastor, go somewhere else. I'm a dork, all right? <laughs> My wife videoed me snoring on the couch at nine o'clock the other night, uh, cause I can't stay up past then. <laughs> we have to see matinees at the movies because I can't stay up. If it's eight o'clock, like, sorry, we missed our chance. I'm gonna fall asleep halfway through the movie. Let's embrace our dorkiness, right? It's easier that way. But Moses was drawn because it was different. Listen, why would we worship a God who is set apart and try and bring him into everything else? Instead, putting him on a pedestal and saying, you are different, you are worthy, you are holy because you are set apart is God. He's never gonna be cool in the world. We'll get to that in a little bit more. But he's drawn, Moses is drawn because it's a strange sight and he says, I will go. I will go see this. And let me tell you something, the, the church, listen, we, you know, we have the, the banner out in the field and we put stuff on social media, but we also understand here that we're not gonna be, we're not gonna determine things based on how well we market Beaches Chapel. The success of this place is how well we lift Jesus up every single week. And then that's gonna do it. That's gonna do it. 
And also, let me go so far as to say this, how you all do that as well throughout your week. That is the marketing that God needs. It's our life and it's our testimony. There was no fire here that Moses picked up in, in, in the desert. Oh, what's this? A shake up. There's a burning bush over there. Let me go check it out. No social media posts. He saw this thing and he said, I will go see what this is. Even though he saw it as strange. You see that? The strangest didn't deter him. It invited him in. All right. And you know, that's truthfully, as, as, as Moses is there and he's, and, he's, and he's shepherding his flock or his father-in-law's flock, I don't believe that was just this, there was just this one lone bush in the desert. That was just random right there. I, I think it was probably a lot that he passed and walked by all the time. But there was one that was on fire that wouldn't burn up. And you know, it was because the Lord ignited it and he was there on the bush that it happened. And that's what I want for Beaches Chapel, y'all. That's what I want for the church as a whole. That without the Lord in it, we're just a bunch of different bushes in the desert. But when the holiness of God falls on the church, that it is a fire that does not burn out, but it keeps burning and keeps burning. And then as that flame continues, people are gonna say, that's different. I will go see. But we have to understand that it's about God's holiness, not our own making of it. He markets himself. He stands on his own two feet. We exalt him. Verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. That's no small thing. That is no small thing. Let's just consider for a second as we discuss the holiness of God and how big he is and how righteous he is and how powerful and awesome God is, how incredibly humbling it is when God says, James, James, or whatever your name is. Phil, I was gonna start naming him, but I don't wanna, I'd be here, I don't wanna leave anybody out, right? <laughs> you didn't say my name. <clears throat> When he calls your name and he calls your name, he says you specifically, not the person next to me, you talking to them? How incredibly humbling is that, that our God calls us by name. And he does so with Moses, he says, Moses, Moses. And then Moses' response is incredibly important. Not now, God, I got other things I need to do. Uh, I'm a little busy this morning, God. Can it wait? Here I am. You're calling me. Here I am. The sheep will take care of themselves. You have my attention now. I'm listening to you calling my name. And my response is here I am. How are we responding? How are you responding? It's a great question to ask right now. We're two Sundays into the new year. How are you responding to the call of God on your life when he says your name? Because there's all sorts of 
excuses that Moses can give, that we can give, but that's the thing. They're all just excuses, y'all. They're not reasons. Is your response, here I am? Or is it something else? Because when the Holy of Holies calls you by name, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And he's calling all of us. What is your response? Verse 5, God says, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I love this. This wasn't holy ground 10 minutes ago or the day before. This desert. Moses could have walked by with his sandals on and been just fine. But in this moment, in this time, because the holiness of God was on it, it was now holy ground. See, the place doesn't dictate God's presence. God's presence dictates the place. And so how do we then approach our time with the Lord? This is a building that used to be a gymnasium. If you tear up the carpet, the tile for the basketball court is underneath it. In case you're new and didn't know that, that's why it kind of looks the way it looks and how it's built. It's a basketball gym. And we put a fake ceiling right there, and carpet down. It's special because God is here. Your car, when you're praying to the Lord by yourself or with your spouse or whomever it might be, maybe your children even, becomes holy because God is in the car with you. So watch out what you say when they cut you off in traffic. <laughs> your living room, your sofa, your study, wherever it might be, when we call on the name of the Lord and he joins us as we worship him and as we pray for him becomes holy. You thought about that? So how do we then approach the Lord in prayer? How do we approach him in worship? How do we approach him in fellowship? I'll, I'll be real honest with you all. My approach, knowing what I was going to preach on this morning, my approach in worship just in my heart to the Lord this morning was different. Because I, it's, it's on my heart now, the holiness of God, because I've been reading and studying and praying over it this week. And so when it came time to worship this morning, man, it, it was awesome. But it, it, yes, the band killed it and were amazing. But a lot for me was because I had, a, I had the reality fresh in my mind and in my heart that I am worshiping to a holy God. And we need to have that same understanding and that same approach when we pray and when we talk to others, and even when we talk about others. I say, what am I doing? Am I, do I have my shoes on when I'm standing on holy ground, or do I not? Verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And this is, this is a huge part of this story. You see, what happens here is God announces who he is. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. He doesn't tell Moses how to respond here. God announces who he is, and Moses responds himself 
by hiding his face. So I can't even look at you. I can't look at you. You're too holy. You're too big. You're too massive. And so I, have, I just have to, I have to turn away because I know who you are. I know how holy you are. And I just, I read this and I'll, again, I'll be honest with y'all, there's an anger that does kind of rise up in me at first and then I try and catch myself thinking about the world and how the world is, is spitting in the face of God. And dare I say, and forgive me for this, but giving God the middle finger. And I think, one, it makes me mad at first. And then I remember, wait, it's not my, my battle to fight. God, God can handle it. He's, he's, believe it or not, stronger than me, y'all. Um, but then I get just so sad, I guess, because there's going to be a time when people, it could be your neighbor. I'm not just talking about people on the news or whatever. I'm talking about people who walk in a pride and arrogance against the Lord that are going to have to hold themselves accountable. And I believe there's going to be an understanding in that moment of who God really is and the holiness of God. And it's going to be snatched away from them in a moment. And they're going to go to hell. And that should break our hearts. That should make us so sad. And you, you can see it on people. You can see it in the world. There's, a, there's, this, there's this spirit. It's evil. It is evil. That is trying to mock the holiness of God. Almost right to his face. Moses can't even, he, he hears the voice of God as God announces who he is and he immediately, his response is to hide his face because he's reverent before God and he's in awe of God. Where is that today? Where is that in the church? If we don't have it, how in the world can we expect the world to have it? If we aren't dropping to our knees, if we aren't lifting our hands and screaming to God as our holy God, we can't sit on our couch and point the finger at the world and say, how dare you? If we're not being strange, if we're not being different, we have got, y'all, we have got to get back to the awe of the Lord and saying, God, you're big. God, you are holy. God, you are righteous. And when if I have to be face to face with you, I can't do it. Because you're too big. But if we're just casual about it, if we're just blasé about church and this and that and, and reading the Bible and, and how we address God and how we talk about other people in the name of God, how in the world are we going to expect anyone else to change? Moses hid his face from God because he knew that he was in the company of a holy and righteous God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 is, is two, two of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. And it reads this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And when, I, when I used to read this, the reason, I'll be honest with you, that, that I first liked this verse is because I thought, wow, if I'm dreaming this big, then you're dreaming even bigger. And if I have these goals in my life, then you have even bigger goals for me. Wow. And it was really about me. I'm serious. But then as I started to understand more, I was like, wait a second. This is not two verses about prosperity for me. It's about submission for me and who God is. So I can surrender my, my confusion about what God does in my life and in this world. And I can just back off and say, hey, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I may not get it, but you are a holy God. And I don't need to get it. So I can submit the stress of having to figure it out and I can just sit at your feet and know that your ways are higher than my ways and that you are doing something that is bigger than I could ever dream. So I can get mad at you and I can accuse you or whatever or I can just sit and be released of that and say, you are God and I am not and you are holy as my God. So... So what do we do in response to this? I'm going to read all of Psalms 96, the entire thing. We're reading the Bible in church, y'all. Buckle up. (laughs) Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the seas resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Come on, y'all. Come on. That is our holy God. And our response is not to figure out why the bush isn't burning. It is to worship him. It is to rejoice and be glad that we know the holy God and that he has called us by name. And then on top of that is to go and tell other people about him so that they can know him too. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. I want to have the band come back up. And I want to read, I want to read this to you all. And we're not going to get deep in it because it's a whole other series. But we don't have to. We can take this simply at face value and see 
the power and the holiness of God. It's Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's a lot, right? Animals with eyeballs covering them. I don't know. But all day and all night, even as we are in this room right now, they're circling God, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Listen, y'all, when I read that, I'm not smart enough to know all the meaning of that. But what it tells me is that truthfully, we've only gotten a glimpse. We've only gotten a taste of the holiness and the glory of God. The most picturesque mountains, the best view of the sunrise, all of it, your child's laugh and smile just a glimpse they are just a glimpse of the holiness of God oh what awaits us when we get to be fully in his presence when Moses was having his conversation with God and God says don't come any closer you're on holy ground God was saying Moses you can't come any closer what's amazing is Jesus came, he said, I'm coming to you. I'm bringing holiness to you. And that's the miracle of Jesus, that in his holiness as God, where Moses couldn't come any closer, Jesus says, you can come all the way. You can come all the way. Because once where there was a veil, there is no more veil. Jesus died on the cross and was raised again so that we could have entrance with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that holiness. Listen to this. Listen, I'm going to close with this verse right here. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly 
and to revive the heart of the contrite. So God in his holiness, massive as he is, righteous and true, beautiful, holy, lives in heaven, but he lives with us too. With all of the holiness of God, with all of that, he is still not just mindful of us, but he knows the very amount of hairs on our head. He's with us. That's the miracle of God. He doesn't say, I am holy, you are not. There's division. He says, I'm with you too. And I love you. So let's stand this morning. And as we worship our holy God, in everything that he is, I do this morning want to, I want to have our, our elders come on up. And we're going to have a time of prayer. Because the Bible says that the Lord in his holiness, he who is called holy, is near to the lowly. If you need prayer for anything this morning, I don't care what it is, come on up and we'll pray for you as we worship. But as we do, if you, if you stay in your seat, let's approach worship now with that understanding that we serve a holy God. And I'm sorry that I can't articulate it better than that. But it's beyond us. It's certainly beyond me. But instead of trying to understand it, let's embrace it and let's, let's live in it. Let's soak in it. Let's bathe in the holiness of God and who he is. Father, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that, that you are not a God that we talk about how holy you are, and then that's the end of the story. But it's about holiness coming and dying on a cross. Holiness died for the unholy. Perfection and righteousness was sacrificed for the sinner for the broken as we sang earlier Lord is by your mercy and the blood of the lamb that made us new holiness came down and as you breathed your last breath that veil was torn and we had entrance where there was no entrance before and so God I just want to say also forgive us forgive us Lord when we shrink you down and we put you in our pocket as like a tool to use when we need you. Instead of standing in awe and wonder of who you really are. Bring us back to that place, Lord God. Bring us there for the first time, Father. Let us bask in your holiness. Forgive us for trying to figure it out. We love you, Lord, and we worship you as the psalmist said to do in Psalm 96, we worship you now and we rejoice in you, Father.